0: All right, Black Equity listeners, we are back with another great episode for you. This is episode 182, Abundance, where we sit back down with Nicole Kearney of Sip and Share. And we talk about a bigger perspective of what's going on in the culture. So like always, sit back, sip your wine and enjoy the show. I agree, and yeah, I would definitely just to put this into the the atmosphere. I, I would definitely look into uh, acquiring a distribution company that already is in in play, and uh, it, maybe it doesn't have any black wine um, uh, black wine owned companies in its distribution. But go ahead, acquire a distribution company. And then uh, partner with companies like yourself uh, to offer the correct distribution. Uh, for your company. I think that would be uh, a brilliant move. And so if there's any distribution company out there that anyone knows of that may be looking to sell, Black Equity Network would love to sit down and have that conversation. And then we can offer that distribution to as many Black-owned wine companies and uh, would it be considered liquor companies on the other end or what would those companies be considered? There are spirit companies,
1: companies and then there's some rules in different states on what you can actually distribute so some it's wine and spirits and then some it's just beer and so and then some it's just wine and beer and then it's some spirits so yeah so i said each state has its own kind of um interesting you know rules but it can be done
0: i i can see it i can i and especially uh with the rise of technology uh there's no reason why uh, within seconds, your brand the 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 brand itself, maybe not the actual bottle, but the brand itself should be able to travel globally at any time uh, by a push of a button and so uh with that technology in our hands, we have to be able to leverage that uh, to attract as many customers and opportunities as possible so that 's something I definitely want to at least speak out to the universe uh because as soon as we speak it, it happens it's so much stuff has happened on the. Happen on this podcast and from this podcast, so that's why I want to make sure we get get this uh, recorded and said out loud, so then uh, we can see those things manifest. That's, of that's one work, of the words, is. right? And and our, we start
1: with intention, and like now we are setting an intention because that is our next um, our next move is um, just have this conversation last week, um, incorporating technology um into our wine business so like you said a push of a button we can be anywhere so that's just a conversation i had like how do we really use technology to make us more efficient to make us available in more places so i'm putting that out into the universe for someone who is you know in their college dorm or at their job right now who's got the great idea they're working on and how can that translate into working with um Wine business or anyone in, you know, in a beverage business, I'm all here for that because that's what we're we have a couple ideas, but it's how to make it work, especially we have an idea about an app, but we don't want to create it. We want to tag on to someone else's app. I'll tell you that off air Mm -hmm. Uh, because you may already have something like this in your portfolio or know someone, but it's something that we um we know will work. It's already in the marketplace. We just need to figure out how to make Mm -hmm. it work specifically for us.
0: And, you know, I've had that same, I I have a feeling of where we're going with this. And of course I won't go too specific, but I've had that same type of uh, wondering in my mind for things like cigars. Uh, And so I know exactly where we're headed with this and definitely we'll have that conversation um, because you know you have direct asset access, access to me, so we yes. can definitely have that conversation. So let me ask you this, and this may be something that you're not even paying attention to, but it's something that's been going on the last few weeks. And as I sip on my wine, and I, as I sit back and, and study the culture, uh, it's just something that I'm paying attention to. So New York Times puts out this uh, 1619 project. Are you familiar with no, anything I'm saying but right now? So they put out this project called the 1619 Project, and it's supposed to be a retelling of of Black history. And uh, it's it's a huge, I think it was about two Sundays ago, it was a huge uh, piece in their Sunday paper, and there's also a digital copy. I can send it to you as well. And they basically are retelling the correct dating and the, the correct occurrence of what happened from the time that uh, the so-called... "Quote unquote slaves came from Africa uh, to America, and how that ended up birthing the entire culture in which we see today. And so it's, it's it, it is uh, for many it, it is uh, groundbreaking. Uh, even the the person I can't remember her name right now, the person who spearheaded it was on the Breakfast Club. And so I only brought that up. I was seeing if you uh, had had you know seen that. Um, because I think it is a, a conversation that needs to be had over wine. Um, and, and so if you ever get a chance to check it out, and I'll even email it to you, everyone listening, I haven't even mentioned it on the podcast yet, so this is my first time talking about it. I really think everybody should read that and, and kind of look over it because it's it's the history that we're not taught in our high schools. Uh, I remember being in high school, and we well, as soon as we got to – African American history, it basically said mm-hmm. it was one paragraph and it said the slaves showed up on uh through on slave ships and then there was slavery or something like that. The Africans showed up on uh on slave ships and then there was slavery, and then it says uh two paragraphs later, you know, slavery ended such and such time. And literally I have spent 12 13 14 years in school, however many years it is, and I waited all this time to learn about my history. And it was two paragraphs at the time. And so with this 1619 project, what they're saying is instead of it being, I think many people say that uh, the first slaves arrived in 1776 or something like that. They're saying, no, they've been here since 1619. And so they break down what they believe to be the truth. And so if anyone's listening, check that out. It's definitely a conversation that you should be having as you've joined the wine club, sipping on your wine. Uh, and reading about this story. So and I wanted that's to a mention.
1: powerful conversation. I'm fortunate um I'm I'm an east coaster by birth. Um so I grew up on the east right. coast. My mom is from Harlem, so I have a lot of um you know black panthers I, and a lot of um you know what people would consider radical you know black family members. And so I grew up with a different um perception of history like you know we had that whole black encyclopedia set um, you know, so my yeah. family was very adamant about understanding history. my great grandmother worked on Amtrak when black folks still you know had segregated cars, and you know they had the porters and so I used to when I traveled around the country um you know my i back in the old days, you pinned a note to the child about where they were going. Mm. And my great grandmother put me on the train. And the black folks were like, oh, you're Ruth's grandbaby. We got you. And so there was never like a thought of anyone harming me or anything. And I traveled, you know, across when even when I moved to Indiana, I went from Indiana to New York. And, you know, with my little note Mm. pinned on me, you know, whose grandbaby I am. And um, you know, went across the country by myself. As a young you know, wow. kid that nowadays, you know, nobody dares to think about putting their 10 year old or, you know, on a train and sending them by themselves. But back then, that was par for course. It's like, hey, you know, that made the phone call. You get on the train. This is where she is. My grandmother, my great grandmother had told yeah. all her people along the route um, because she had retired, you know, by the time I you know, got older. But that was something just that history and being able to talk to individuals and understanding what was going on you know in the culture because you're 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 in the you know the the section where you're listening to you know black men and women talking about what's really going on in America so i'm fortunate to have that and as a writer that informed how, what i wrote and how i wrote as i became an adult so i did the first pieces i did that were performed and um produced by others was a series I call Movement Plays, and they are um, five plays of how young people impacted the civil rights movement. So we always hear about the high-level players, you know, the Kings, the abernathys That's folks we hear about, but we don't really think about how young people, when we look at, like, North Carolina, when we look about those Greensboro you know, those four boys. And when we talk about, you know, Woolworth counters, when we talk Mm -hmm. about Emmett Till and, you know, when we talk about how really young people decided enough was enough and took a stand. And really, I look at it as how young people decided today, we're going to, you know, we're going to own and take back, you know, our piece of, of equity and freedom in this country because we built it. And so a lot of people don't get exactly. that story and it's made for young people. So young people just, we give them a taste of it. They're about hour long pieces. And then we want them to go out and really start having those conversations, like I said, reading it. So I'm excited by this project um, and I will go dig into it because I'm really excited because I, 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 I'm wondering if is this the one, because I just saw um, Ava DuVernay, I think I'm pronouncing her name right, just did a project for the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. And so I I was like, wow. So I think that we are hopefully moving to this place where our stories are going to progress. Um, And because I am, I am a, um, a futurist. So I'm about, Mm -hmm. um, and I think you may, you actually had an episode about black future instead of black history month, a black, when are we going to get to black future month? And that really struck a chord for me. Um, because I'm I'm listening to a book about um, when we, we get to Black Future Month, um, and so I'm like yes, because I'm writing in a future where because we don't envision ourselves because we haven't you know you know science fiction fantasy um, m- magical realism hasn't shown us us we're really just getting into this if if nobody's read um if i can just do a shameless plug for children of blood and bone oh yeah 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 that's yeah as an adult um as you know as an adult i've read it i've already ordered the second book um and i've ordered it for members of my family they don't even know it's just going to show up on their doorstep because i feel like that is a power shift um and a culture shift to read that book. And I've had adults, we've talked about it, and we're like, book two was supposed to be out in March. We were devastated. It's not going to come out till December. But having us as a central focal of of, of a book that's magical realism, I'm like, who's optioning that story? Who's writing that script? When can I throw all my coins to sit in the movie theater five, six, seven, eight times? to see that and still bringing people because we had that with Black Panther but now let's also have these other versions of us um out here and I think we're right on the precipice and so for me you know again we talked about everything is futurist legacy where are we going we know where we've come from and I believe you have to know your history so you don't repeat the mistakes so we have to have that foundation. Right. So hearing we're going to get some more accurate historical tellings is super important um and then being able to say let's move forward because I think in our culture we don't honor a lot of us don't honor our ancestors enough to um understand that we we stand on literally the ground, the backs, the blood, the sweat, the tears of folks who came before us. So even for me, winemaking is in my family. Um, I just came back from North Carolina, and you know, so I was oh, over in yeah. Roanoke Rapids. Um, so that's my okay. family home. My grandmother is a Native American, so grew up on the reservation. Um, and my grand, my so that would be my and my grandfather was black. So my great grandparents, um, their families intermarried. So I have that type of history on my dad's side and on my mother's side um who's also from Henderson, North Carolina. We can go down to South mm-hmm. Carolina and see where the community is, but across the street was the plantation. So that's really where originally enslaved um Africans lived and now it's, you know, they it's a community and so we can go back and see okay, this is the port from which we came in. And so I think those things are important to understand your family lineage, to honor your ancestors. And I just came back from that weekend of honoring the ancestors and those who came before me, um, who made what I who I am today possible. Um, my parents never told me being a writer wasn't a real job. They were like, "Oh, find a writing camp. Oh, find this workshop. Do this." So I grew up believing that a writer was something I could do. I went to grad school as an adult and I had friends who were like 40, 50, 60 who were like, I've been waiting my whole life to write. Like my parents beat me down. And these were folks that didn't look like me. So what my parents did was um, revolutionary for um, black parents to not say, go to college to get a job. Um, and my parents are like, go do what you want to do. And you want to be a writer? Sure. You know, they didn't understand it. You know, my parents, and they told me that as an adult, but my parents say, whatever I've done, my dad says, he knows when he comes to my house, he flips the light switch, the lights come on, the water works. I got food in my refrigerator and, you know, I have a joy in my life. So he says, I, you know, all I can assume is, you know, you're doing good and I don't think you're doing anything strange for the change. So you know that's what i think we we need to start imparting into our children as well as college is if you have a an idea and a plan college is good if it helps you manifest that ultimate dream for some people that's not the the pathway
0: right yeah and, and you know as someone who has my mba in acquisitions college is cool But with the rise of technology, it's not necessary anymore. If you have, like you're saying, if you have a great idea that is going to solve real problems, it is going to make you more money than you can ever imagine. Uh, We just have to get that idea into the right hands. And one thing I've always been great at, Nicole, is getting uh, the right idea into the right hands at the right time. Because it also comes down to timing. Um, So, Something else you were you're talking about with your writing. Where am I I may be wrong here I refresh my memory. Have you worked with uh some of your projects uh streaming? I on do. I platforms? also have a
1: couple web series out. Um so yeah, so we do I primarily write for stage um and web. I'm I'm gonna get back into short okay. story writing, um, but I like web because it's it's a equalizer. You can put a story out there, you can reach a community. Um, like you said, with the right hashtags, the right technology. Um, and you can develop a, a small following that um gets your story. So some of the things that I had envisioned for doing on stage, I'm actually reimagining to do um as a web, but also doing in short story. Form, probably short story form first, because it's easier to just put that out and then kind of recraft that into something that could be web based. I like episodic television. Um, That just to me, I I like movies, but I really like episodic television because you can spin things out ad nauseum and bring other people in to say, here's my story. Um, this is, you know, here are the characters and other people can write it and you can walk away from it again. Like you said, you just because you build it doesn't mean you got to work in it. So you give other people an right. opportunity to get their voice um, heard and out there. So for me, that's kind of a a goal. And again, doing more. I say at this point in my career, um, everything I write is probably going to be musicals and um, magical realism, because I'm I believe music is an equalizer I'm not even an equalizer. Music brings people in to a story in a way that just words itself doesn't do. And so, right. um, so I have a lot of shows that are both magical realism and musicals. And so marrying those genres together for me is something like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to take one and and rewrite it into a short story form and see how it works. But with technology where you can click a link and actually hear, mm-hmm. um, you can hear the character performing the song. So you don't, you know, in your mind, you have one thing, but if you click this link, then you hear the character and it's like, oh, and you can do that every time there's a song that yeah. comes up. So it's interactive. So I'm trying to figure out exactly how to do that. Or probably like the story might be PDF or, or you know, we'll put it up on a website and then like click the link, go to this music, and then you can download Um, the music as well and just listen to it because it can be listened to on its own. So that's the kind of interactive, um, again, futuristic kind of work I want to do because people, um, one of the things when I've started in theater, theater again, is I work in these, I keep telling myself, I work in these realms where people um, it's populated by, um, you know, what I call the old white men syndrome and the theater happens to be dead old white men. Mm -hmm. And so Um, I want you know trying to get people into the theater people were doing that for a while but now we have so many other ways to be um, entertained and get our information so I'm like how do I take theater out of the theater and that's something for me um, I was one of the first folks in my community in my generation um, to rebring you know black theater back there of course was again the vanguard the folks before me who had done that. And then I kind of resurged it. And now there's a lot of folks doing it. And I'm like, great. But I want to do, again, now I'm ready for a shift. And how do we tell our stories? And like you said, with technology, there's no way I can say, I can't tell my story. No one's listening. I might not be getting paid for it. Um, You know, again, Mm -hmm. not right now, but I can still go tell my story. No one's listening.
0: I have a couple of places that I think would be a great fit for you. And of course we can talk about that off air. Uh, But I have a couple of places that I've been scouting out for the culture to keep really what my job is here on black equity is to pay attention to every little corner of the culture and figure out how is what this person doing all the way over in Sacramento. How does that relate to what this person is doing all the way in Miami and if I can bring those two together somehow it would be just wonderful so uh, I have some ideas for really a lot of the, the different uh, the different initiatives that you're interested in uh, I do- what are some of the projects that I'm paying attention to in the culture right now I'm studying the YBN Cordae album I think that is a great project I'm also paying attention to the podcast, uh, Melanin Boulevard. What a great, great uh, podcast. If you're not paying attention to it, you are definitely missing out. Uh, Some of the guests that are on there are very uh, in-depth conversations. And I want everyone who is a Black Equity listener to head over to Melanin Boulevard and check out this podcast. We have the uh, link in our IG at Black Equity Network, and I want you to head over to that link and listen to that podcast. So those are the two projects that I'm currently paying attention to. Back to the show. I do want to mention? Uh, you talked about Ava DuVernay, and anytime someone mentions her, I have to ask, did you see uh, when uh, they see us? So
1: no. Um, so I grew up, um, on the East Coast when that story when it when it i lived it so i
0: right
1: it's too much yeah it's i am not in a uh space where i mentally uh want to invite that i understand the trauma and i i think for me trying to live mm-hmm. through it again now my my daughter i have a a daughter who's in college um who's a sophomore in college and she watched it and she said she loved it, and it was great, and it was impactful, and I believe that is fantastic. And I do believe there's people in my age range who lived through it, who were rewatch, you know, reliving it. But for me, that is um, no, that's like I get it, and I'm following the story of the young men now, post, uh, post story, yeah, yeah. post getting out. But I don't know when no i don't know when i don't and i don't know if um and i think she's a powerful storyteller and but that one right there i'm like uh nonsense nah, that might miss me that one might yeah, miss me that
0: that one has has everyone fallen on both sides what about the uh 13th did documentary that. She did. now
1: that one 13th. i watched um powerful because it you know, again, it's a lot of the information that I already believe. And I've been telling my children, you know, I'm a fan of um the new Jim Crow book by Michelle Alexander. Um, so and and I grew up again uh studying um Egyptology. So with Dr. Ben, um, you know, Dr. Ivan Van Sertima, Dr. Francis Cress Welson. Um, so that that's kind of my um background and so that's the foundation you know um, on which i like enter into a lot of discussion so i have all of that information you know tony browder so i've done that kind of research and understand you know what we're not being told and and i've raised my children with that type of cultural understanding so that they understand how to move in the world but also knowing that they have a powerful uh, history from which they come and which to build their life on. So, you know, the world is going to intentionally um, bring you all the negative energy it can because you already have a foundation that's different. Um, you know, and it's, it's like a lot of folks in my generation, we gave our children more than what we had so our children didn't won't have to struggle, which is good and bad because our children don't know struggle. Right. So um, struggle would be you didn't get to go to the restaurant you wanted to that night because your parent didn't want to take you. Like I told my children, they don't have a struggle story. Um, they just don't. I mean, they can say, oh, my parents got divorced when I was young. That's about the extent of their struggle story, right. but I intentionally live within a 10 minute range of my ex-husband. We share custody. So yeah. And we, we got along. So that's really not that struggle right. for them. So, you know, it's, it's, so it's interesting dynamic for them, you know, as they go off, you know, they're out into the world and going off to college and, you know, living their own lives. And, and I often wonder, did we do, too much. You know that. Well, you
0: created created what I call a a place of wealth, no matter what the amount of the money is, you created a a place of wealth for them to be able uh, to live a more carefree life uh, that maybe you didn't, you know, weren't privileged to, or maybe you were privileged to and you wanted to continue on that legacy. What is, I don't, I never understood what is wrong with that what is wrong with creating an environment where you know someone doesn't have to go through the and, same and thing and i love that, that
1: because that so that's a great perspective because i like that because one thing um you know thinking about that is having conversations with their dad like they're not going to have debt when they leave college which mm-hmm. many of us did but they won't have debt right so they will not be burdened with that trauma when they come out and they, right, you're right. They are in a position of, um, wealth creation right off the bat. Like we bought our children cars. Um, you know, we, we did that. My son has a plan for some, you know, he's investing in things now and he has a plan for some other larger real estate investments when he gets out. So to hear him talk, you know, I'm like, wow, those are the great seeds we planted mm-hmm. because I'm of the mindset, this whole kick your children out when they're 18, no, garbage. Just throw that whole mentality away, people. Stop it, stop it, stop mm-hmm. it. You know, no one else does that.
0: No, no other, does other culture, uh, any significant, anyone significant within their other cultures kicks their children out the, the, the earliest right. moment that they can. Except ours and so not anymore though i'm seeing more of us saying hey this doesn't make any sense and so um i'm glad to start seeing a little bit more of that change uh so before we go uh let's just make sure people are aware because i know we've been having really in-depth conversation and people have probably probably been sipping their wine where can (laughs) <laughs> where can they go again to be a part of your wine club or to purchase uh, your wine or to check out your work of any sort uh one more time where's the best place for to go So to get our wine it's
1: sip and share wines that's with an s.com so sipandsharewines.com we're on facebook and instagram instagram at sipandsharewine and if you want to check out some of my uh, creative work um, our podcasts are on, I'm uh, not our podcast, we do have a podcast, but our um web series are on YouTube at Nicole Kearney Productions. So yeah, it's just it's I real it. simple. We want people to get involved. Um, again, join the community, get in the wine club, allow us to send you some great vegan wine to your doorstep. Uh, put your other friends on. I mean, because that's what this is all about. We put people on, and I want to applaud you for the Black Equity Podcast from the moment I saw, it, you know, I've been an avid listener, um, you know, following what you do. And I was like a daily cast. Wow. This is going to be a lot, but you cover it. You do it well. And (laughs) yeah, I learned so much and um, it's part of our wine work. So a lot of the times when we're doing wine work, um, a pot Friday is always podcast Friday. So that's all without a doubt. We do podcasts, but everybody's like, okay, so what was that one and what were we doing? So we, I've got my team, you know, on to, um, listening to the black equity podcast. I just turned somebody else on uh, a business strategist the other day. I'm telling people you need to listen to this because the perspective and the sides, um, of the different stuff we're not even parsing out. Um, you know is is just incredible, and so I get a lot of my just daily media from that because i'm not a um I, I'm not a consumer of news. I listen to public radio that's I get that from black equity and public radio that's how I consume my news that, that
0: is. it's funny you say that in because a lot of people that I end up talking to all say I don't pay attention to the news, I pay attention to black equity. I had no idea it that is. was never the intent. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, you know, I've always I'll be honest with you. Everything that comes on this podcast is what I would have been doing anyway in my own head. It's just, uh, you know, documenting it. And so I'm I'm excited that people are listening and I thank you for coming on. Uh, But I'm not done with you yet. I'm not quite done uh, because it wouldn't be fair for you to come on to the Black Equity Podcast and not give you an opportunity to ask me at least one question because I've been asking all these questions. So uh, the tables have now turned and you now have the power, uh, so to say. Uh, what question do you have What for made me? you
1: decide to start investing in uh, the culture?
0: Um, I read, I was 13, 14 years old. And I read the autobiography of uh, Malcolm X and then I saw the movie and I just, something came over me and I said, why? Because my parents at, at the time were working, for lack of a better word, these white companies. And I said, why Why is everyone in, in my circle that I was around at the time, everybody's so excited to work for the state, work for these white companies, we need to have our own um, black economic uh world. I had I had no idea about Black Wall Street at the time. I'm 13, 14 years old. So then I start studying more, and then I found out about how they bombed Black Wall Street. Uh, then I found out what happened in Durham, Durham's Black Wall Street, and I just said, "Wait, hold on." So we've been doing this all this time, and every time that we've ever tried to move economically, there's been uh, a major pushback. And then I hear the real reason why they uh, assassinated. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s, because he now had an economic push. And so I said, when I get older, uh, which is who I am now, uh, I want to understand the Black dollar, and I want to understand... At the time, I didn't realize this. I I probably didn't use these words, but I wanted to understand Black equity. And so uh, once I started hearing about... um, Uh, podcasting that's when this part came but before the podcast i wanted to create an environment for us to uh grow economically uh within our own selves not relying on anyone else i did an internship uh in college with an agricultural uh bank and i i went around talking to all these different farmers and not one was black and this is in south carolina And I said, okay, everything that I'm experiencing is the white version of everything that we should be having, because these people stole a lot of what is uh, that should be ours uh, that we've already built. And maybe they didn't necessarily steal it, stole it, but they, uh, you know, use our backs to build it up. And so after I entered that internship, I said, I'm going to go get my master's uh, in acquisitions. I'm going to learn how to acquire companies because that's really what warren buffett does warren buffett makes all of his money through the acquisition of other assets it's not the stock market stock market is just one uh small peanut of what he does and so i said i'm going to acquire micro uh micro companies uh companies that have less than five million dollars of revenue and um if they're not black by the time that i own them they will be black and it will then be a Black-owned company. And my focus is how do we increase the value of the Black dollar? And so I know this is going to be a lifetime mission, and I'm okay with that. I wouldn't do it any other way. I wouldn't do anything that would only be a a couple years. I wanted to do something that I knew would be something that I can look back on my life and say I'm proud. And so that is hopefully uh, uh, a deeper look into why I am who I am.
1: Yep, and I, I thought that, but I was like, "Let's let's hear," it because that was the burning question I had for you. I'm like, "Yes, yes."
0: Thank you for asking that question, and I'm glad I finally put that on uh, on wax or on we're on the still history on books. Wax, bro. Um, we still this on is really. <laughs> <laughs> I thank
1: you
0: thank for coming you. on, Nicole. Thank you for coming to Black Equity. I want you to know this isn't the last Not conversation we're going to have. First, and, and um, we've had.
1: Them. So this is the culmination of the beginning conversations. Exactly.
0: And I, what, I would, what I want to do is when we get a, get some time, I do want to jump on a call with you. And I do have some strategic things. That I think if we just implemented them real quick, uh, it would add a new revenue stream for you. And I believe uh, if we can link you with the right people, uh, we can bring on a lot of that technology that you're looking for. Because uh, I want to see you win. I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. And so I want you not only in, in Essence Fest, but I have some other fest uh, that may be of interest for you as well. So there's a lot of things that were circling in my head during this, this conversation that awesome. I can't wait to talk about. Well,
1: we are here for about. it. Thank you.
0: I told you we had a really great episode for you. So go ahead and join the Wine Club and be part of uh, this great movement of black-owned vegan wine. This is top-level, top-level product that we are talking about here that's going to blow your mind and get you to another level uh, as you are building your businesses, as you're building your tribes. This is one of the products that you need to be having coming to you quarterly, if not monthly. Thank you again, Nicole Kearney, for coming on the show, and we look forward to working with Sip and Share.